Hello everybody, I'm Dan Hedges. And I'm Todd Sear. We're with Engineering.com at the USA Science and Engineering Festival in Washington, D.C. And we are sitting with Mr. Richard Garriott. Richard Garriott. Good to be well, here. <laughs> you hitched a ride aboard a Russian Soyuz rocket and you went aboard the International Space Station. Tell, tell us a little bit about what was that like? Well, as you might imagine, it was a phenomenal experience. But you know, there's, a, there's the exciting parts of launch. There's the really exciting part of re-entry. Uh, what you might think of as the dangerous and scary parts, but actually those were very uh, serene and elegant, uh, you know, completely unlike, uh, you know, the, your impression from TV. But living in space for two weeks aboard the space station, uh, you know, it was of course also phenomenal, but, and, and the best part of it was honestly just looking back at the Earth uh, and, uh, you know, and, and going around the Earth once every 90 minutes and getting just such an amazing view of the planet upon which we live. What was, the, what was the most surprising thing about being in space? I mean, I'm sure you've been thinking about it forever. Your father was an astronaut, probably mm -hmm. told you stories of what it was like in space. What was the thing that surprised you the most once you got there? It's hilarious that uh, the, my first thought, you know, when you take the, it's only 510 seconds to go from sitting still on the ground to burning all the fuel in the rocket. And when the rocket engines turn off, you are now in orbit around the Earth, right? And so you have this very fast 510 second journey, the engines turn off, the vehicle begins to roll over, and you get your first view back on the Earth. And my honest first reaction when I saw that was not, wow, how elegant and beautiful and how wonderful it is to be here you know, orbiting the Earth. When I looked out the window and looked down at the ground, my first thought was, we are not very high. I sure hope we are in a perfectly circular orbit around the Earth, or we're going to be re-entering again in just a matter of moments, and that's going to be a bad thing. <laughs> And that was literally the first thing that goes through my mind. And so I actually watched us as the, the craft tumbles a couple of times. And I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to my, the apparent altitude. And it takes me a couple of orbits before, or a couple of tumbles before I go, okay, we're in orbit. And now, now I can sit back and, and take in uh, you know, the majesty of, uh, of what had just, had just gone through. One last question on that. So often we look, I, I look at Google Maps every day. I'm always looking at something and looking at the satellite imaging. To some degree, that, that ch probably cheapens in my mind, I feel like I'm looking at something from space, I'm looking at a satellite image. Was there any view of the Earth that absolutely surprised you? It was nothing like you had seen before. You know, I found that looking out the window at the Earth and even trying to take pictures, of course I took a million pictures, but uh, seeing it by eye and even seeing the very best video ever, which I would argue is in things like uh, the uh, IMAX uh, Hubble Space Telescope and the IMAX International Space Station imagery. When I go see those, in many ways, it's actually better imagery than you see by eye even while there. But there's an essential missing uh, two ingredients I can think of off the top of my head. You know, one is you know, the human eye's ability to recognize color is dramatically better than any film. And so, for example, I remember when I was flying over uh, the Amazon that my father, 35 years earlier, told me about how he had constantly seen all the fires from the people clear-cutting uh, in the Amazon. And of course, when I was younger, that was also commonly talked about. But before my flight, I never didn't think about it until I was in space. And I looked down at the Amazon, and you could see these sickly yellow-brown sooty fires coming up all over the entire Amazon basin. And I took tons of pictures of it. But when you look at the photographs, you really can't discern it because the white puffy clouds and the yellow-brown smoke look similar enough that I have to kind of describe it to people and it's not nearly as impactful. Mm. And the same thing was true when 
you're looking out the window, you know, you go around the entire Earth every 90 minutes. You see a sunrise or a sunset every 45 minutes. And the detail with which you can see the Earth is, is really astonishing. What kind of businesses could possibly exist in space travel? So I did a lot of work on trying to figure out what the true commercial value of low Earth orbit was to, uh, you know, fundamentally I think that if it's not valuable, why are we going? And so you need to make the decision as to, you, you know, uh, are we exploring space or are we capitalizing on the value in space? And I'm now, having done a lot of research on this, very convinced that there's uh, a lot of value in low Earth orbit and, of course, beyond. One of the ones that I, one of the things I did on my own flight was something called protein crystal growth, where for uh, for any disease, there is a protein involved in that disease. And knowing the molecular structure of that protein lets you design drugs to block that protein's bad function. Uh, and one of the best ways to get the structure is to grow a crystal of the protein. But that's very hard to do on the ground because when, you, when things crystallize and go from a liquid state into a solid state, it gives off a little bit of heat, which causes a little bit of like boiling water uh, convection currents, which make the crystal grow a little impure. And so if you grow crystals in space, they grow much bigger, they grow much more pure, bring those back down, give them to a, a drug development company, and they can help cure diseases. <laughs>